Amen. Please be seated. Well, we're so blessed to have Pastor Andrew, our lead ministry pastor, coming to share as we continue in our series in Romans. So I'd love if you could make Andrew feel very welcome as he comes to share with us now. Thanks, Nathan. Thank you, Nathan. Well, I'm there. Good. So good to be with you this morning. And uh, I, I love the book of Romans, loving this series that we're in. So if you're, if you're new here, I just extend my welcome also. But uh, we're in the middle of this st- series in Romans, and I love Romans. And I actually think I've had a win um, in terms of sermon planning and the sermon uh, lotto. I got the best one. I'm the winner here. I got <laughs> chapter three. If you've been here for the last two weeks, uh, you know, it's not all good news there, but chapter three, I tell you, it's good news. And so I want to share that good news with you. That's just a joy and a privilege to be able to do that with you today. Um, but let me just tell a little bit of a story to set some context of where we're going. And uh, this story, um, back in the year 2000 in the UK, uh, there was some articles in one of the major newspapers called The Chronicles of the Future. So there are authors writing about predictions of what the future would be like, and they wrote across different decades what they thought might happen. Now, when they came to 2021, they thought, they wrote, that maybe we will uh, discover a new planet in the solar system that will have intelligent life, and the planet would be able to sustain life. That's what they, they believed or wrote at that point. Now, we're in 2023. We know that didn't happen. But would you imagine with me for a moment that that is actually the case? And on that planet, the people there had no idea who God was. No idea. And then they heard this rumor that on earth, there are people that are created in the image of God. And they thought, we don't know who God is, but... If we travel to earth and we see these humans that have been created in the image of God, they bearing his image, if we look at the image, you know what he's like, then we will know who God is. So they thought and uh, they got together, they got an investigating party, they got a shuttle and they flew to earth and they landed on earth to investigate and see these creatures that have been created in the image of God They got to their hotel room and they turned on the TV and they watched the news. They watched the news and they saw scenes out of Ukraine. And they saw a war. They saw the capacity for destruction and conflict in the human heart. And they thought to themselves, is this really what God is like? They watched the news and they saw stories of domestic violence and abuse. And they asked the question, is this what God is like? They went to the universities and they looked at the labs and scientists and technology and they saw how that was being used and they saw that they were using drones and computers in warfare and they thought, such destruction. Is this what God is like? They went to the library, read about history atrocities throughout history, and they thought, is this what God is like, the oppression? And they wrapped up their investigation, got back in their shuttle. They went back to their planet, and they landed, and there was crowds of people came 
to see them on arrival and video cameras and news reporters were there. They got off their shuttle. They put a, a, a microphone and a camera on the, the leader of the party and they said, oh, we have been waiting. We have been waiting to find out what God is like. Would you please tell us what God is like? And I imagine with sadness, the leader would say, well, if God is like those that are created in his image, he's selfish, he's destructive, he's a liar, he cheats, he steals. Now this is a sad tale. It's a sad story. But the reality is, you and I have been created in the image of God, our purpose to reflect the glory of God. And the first two chapters that we've looked at here have, have shown us very clearly that we have failed at that. As being created in the image of God, we are failed representations. We have fallen short of the glory of God that we all, all of us, and it's very clear, all people, have been impacted by sin and selfishness. We basically have a disease within our heart with the core of who we are and the symptoms are plain to see. Whether that be on a global scale or in our life, it is plain to see the brokenness of the world. And, and the first two chapters say, the result of that is we are separated from God. The wrath and judgment of God is upon us. The wages of that sin is death. That, that's what the first two chapters say. That's the position we're left in. And in the beginning of, of, of three, he makes it, are very clear when he says in verse 9, Jews and Gentiles alike are all, all under the power of sin, not some, all. There is no one righteous, not even one in verse 10. Verse 11, no one seeks God. Verse 12, all have turned away. He's making a very clear point that we all have this disease. Now, I, I, I don't think we need to be defensive. This, this is my point. I, I think it's plain to see you might say, well, I didn't turn from God. Well, I don't think any of us, well, sometimes we do purposely, sometimes we don't, but the symptoms are plain to see, aren't they? In all of our hearts. And in verse 20, it says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Did you realize that the Ten Commandments, if you follow them, it gives us a picture of who God is like. It's, it's, if you follow that, you will glorify God. You will see what God is like. But we all fall short of that. We all fall short of the, the glory of God. And no one will be made righteous by doing what the law commands, is what it says in verse 20. But here we go. Verse 21. And so we're going to start here. Let's read with me. Verse 21 in chapter 3 says, But now. Don't you love that? But now. That's the bad news, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given, you got that word, given, through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. 
There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. Don't you love this but now? I cannot emphasize strongly enough how everything is flipped in this but now. That is the bad news, broken, sinful, all of us. Wrath of God, judgment, separated from God, the wage of sin, death, but now. But now everything has changed. But now there's a new way. But now there's good news, he's saying. But now, listen to this, a righteousness from God comes apart, totally separate, a new way, apart from the law, is what he is saying. So let's have a look at that just very quickly. It comes from God. So where's this righteousness coming? Is it coming from within us? No. It's a righteousness that is coming from God. It is a gift. Is it worked for? No, it's a gift, something to receive. Are you ready to receive today? You receive it. It's by grace. It's not earned. It's by grace. As soon as you work for it, it's no longer grace. Undeserved favor. That's how how you receive, by faith. By faith. This is the gift. No wonder he's like so excited. I'm excited here, but now there's a new way. There is a new way to be righteous with God. Let me explain it this way. Tim Keller, when he reads, speaks about righteousness. Righteousness is the, the, the perfection of God, the moral character of God being right with God. He said it's like a, a, validating, a validating performance record. I, I read that and I thought it's a little bit like a resume. I, I don't know about you, but when, when I was about 15 at school and sort of that age where you're starting to apply for jobs, uh, my school gave me this like a folder. And what you'd do with your resume is you'd put all of your achievements in there, like all your school grades, If you're a part of a community organization, you'd fill it all up. And uh, then you would go to a job interview. Maybe some of you have been at job interviews. They can be nervous occasions. But basically what you're doing in that moment is you're saying, okay, here I am. I'm giving you this. Will you accept me? Have a look. Have a look at who I am. Will you accept me? And what Paul is saying here is if you have a resume according to the law, law, it, it's not going to hold up. Every single one of us here, those watching online, everyone is going to fall short of the glory of God. If you go to God with, with this and, and you say, uh, oh God, here, here are all my achievements. I just want to put them in there. I just want to make sure you saw those. Um, God, uh, Here's my best efforts. I mean, I tried really hard. I did my best as a Christian. I did all the right things. Um, these are my good works. I you know, helped in these certain ways. Have all of these things. I, I prayed. I went to church. I did all of those things. Just make sure you notice that. That's in the resume too. Don't forget page three. All my religious acts. Prayed, read the Bible, all those things. I put that in there. Make sure God sees that. But also we're probably aware that there's also going to be this in there too. Oh, you can flip over that one. <laughs> but it's there, isn't it? It's there, it's in our folder. 
My selfishness, I hope you didn't see that, but God, I know there's a lot of self at the center of me. And Paul is saying, if you approach God, and if you come before him and say, here we are, God, a, a, a holy God, perfect in every way, God, here you go, like, do you know what, even as I stand here, as I'm putting that before God, I nearly feel nervous. Do, do you, I, don't know, I feel nervous. Because Paul says, we all fall short of the glory of God. If we come, do not come. Do not come to God and say, well, God, here's, here's all of my best efforts. The, you know, sometimes there's this misunderstanding that to, to get right with God, you just got to be good. Christians are good people. Work hard. That is not the gospel. That is not good news. This, that's nothing but bad news, is it? Let, I'll get on to the good news in a moment. That is bad news. Do not do that. Whether that is for salvation, forgiveness, to get right with God, or in your daily walk with God, do not trust in your efforts. Even our religious acts, our prayer, our reading the Bible, our coming to church, they are good things, but they are conduits of God's grace, not for us to earn approval with God. Not. So Paul says that there's nothing good going to come out of that resume. But he says, but now, <laughs> this is it, but now, but now there's a new way. It's by grace. Undeserved favor. Where's it come from? Come from God. It is bestowed upon you. I want to tell you now, God's grace, his righteousness can be bestowed upon you in this moment, in an instant, when you put your faith in Jesus. It is by grace. And if you are trusting in Jesus, if you are trusting in who he is and what he has done, the object of our faith is Jesus, it is grace. Then you come and in your resume is Jesus' righteousness. That God, as he looks to you, he sees perfection. Do you understand that? that? That's the biblical thing. That, that's what God says. You have been bestowed upon you the righteousness, the perfection of God. You have forgiveness given to you. The penalty of your sin, the wages of sin with death, has been paid in full. This is a resume. And can you see the difference of how you then come to God? You know, when I bring this resume to God, I humbly come before God knowing who I am, knowing my weakness, knowing my sin, but I am no longer trusting in that resume. I am trusting in this. I come with absolute confidence. Absolute confidence. Because it's not about me. There's nothing about me in this resume, actually. It's, it's all Jesus and it's all what he's done. That's what I'm coming. That's what I'm trusting in. I read a quote in preparing for this series and it said, when the message of Romans gets it deep into someone's heart, anything can happen. And I want to encourage you today, if you let this, this message, deep into your heart, anything can happen. It, it will change your life. <laughs> 
when you know that you can come to God and be embraced in his love, his grace, that he will bless you, that he will pour out his blessings in your life, his presence in your life, not because of anything you've done, but just because of his grace. When that gets deep into your heart, when you approach God in prayer and you think, God, I need you, and you're not worrying, oh, but what about all that sin I did yesterday and today? Like, I'm not worthy. Will he answer my prayer? No. When we think like that and when our heart is that, that's what we're trusting in this resume. But when we know that we can boldly and confidently come and live and know him in us and with us because of his grace, everything changes. Guilt, shame, gone. Anxiety and worry, am I right with God, am I not? Gone. It's secure. Because we are then trusting in Jesus' righteousness. It's a different way to live. Even as Christians, we, don't, we can live thinking, yes, I'm forgiven, I know that, I'm forgiven by God. He doesn't hold my sin against me, but in our heart, we are living out of that place of, I wonder if I've done enough. I wonder if, if like, would, am I really worthy? I mean, because the biggest thing is, we sin. You sin, I sin, we continue to sin. The biggest indicator of how we're going to grow out of that is how we deal with our sin. Are we going to give it to him and ask forgiveness and live in that place? Or are we going to let Jesus weigh us, uh, sorry, the devil weigh us down and say, you're not worthy, you're a disappointment to God. Have you ever heard that? Like you feel like you're a disappointment because surely I should have it all together in the Christian life by now. And rather than living in this one, you're trusting and thinking about your weaknesses, your mistakes, but he's saying, no, come, as a child, come before me, embraced by my love and my grace. And when we, we begin to live out of that place, everything changes. Then it goes, goes on to say that this is received by faith. We are now trusting, as I've said, in Jesus' work and not in our own. It says this this new law requires faith, in verse 27. We are justified by faith, in verse 28. And verse 30, it says we are justified by the circumcision and, uns and uncircumcised by faith. It's just in the trust of Jesus' work. He's the object. Now, I just wanted to go a little bit into the cross, because this could be a really nice thought. I mean, that's a really good thought, that God would just forgive me, but does he really do that? How does that work? How is that applied to my heart? And it's important that we know that because this position will come under attack. <laughs> Satan will say, are you sure? Are you sure God loves you? Are you sure you're forgiven? It'll come under attack. So we need to know how and why we can trust in it. A little bit like I was thinking about someone who was flying. Someone had never seen a plane, maybe our aliens that came from the other planet, said, oh, okay, just get up in this one. It's going to fly you up there. And they're like, oh, it's going to go 10,000 meters in the air. I'm not sure about that. If they've never, they don't know how a plane works, they might be a bit nervous about that. But if you ask an aeronautical engineer, they've got absolutely every confidence because they know how it works. So how does the cross work? How can we have such confidence that this is the case in our life? In verse 25, 
It says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. That sacrifice of atonement is that Jesus um, takes on the sin of the world, the wrath of the world, my sin, the wrath of God, and he takes it. He pays the penalty of that for us, that the justice that is needed is done. Because in God, the character of God, there's a few conflicting things. Do you ever see this? Um, so if God is holy, God is holy, he is pure. He cannot have sin. Fully loving. Now, if he is fully loving, he cannot let evil and wickedness happen in the world and not step in. I had this moment with my children once. They're only 18. My twin's 18 months, 12, um, two years old maybe, at a park. And I was just watching from a distance as they were just playing in this playground. And then all of a sudden, these, I think they're maybe five or six-year-olds, started coming to push them and stuff. I said, like, Father, something rose within me before I even knew it. I'm like, you can't do that. And I stepped in. It happened so quickly before I even realized. What type of father would just, like, just let, let evil impact his kids. God has to punish or has to step in where there's evil. He wouldn't be loving. So he's holy and he's loving, but then he has to. There has to be justice. The wages of sin is death. There has to be justice. And he's also merciful. How can God be, be, be just and merciful? Because just means getting what you deserve. If you broke the law, you're going to, justice means getting what you deserve. But mercy Mercy means not getting what you deserve. So how's that going to match up? Let me illustrate because it takes a third party to intervene. Let me tell you a story. Um, let's just say that I was driving out to Stanthorpe to see my family out there and I'm on the highway, um, driving along there and then all of a sudden I look in the rear vision mirror and I see these blue lights flashing. Heart sinks and uh, pull over. And the policeman comes by my door and asks me to wind the window now. Am I sharing like too much that I know what this scenario is uh, looking like? It has happened before. It has. Asked me to put my window down and says, do you realize you're speeding? Now, my usual response, it has happened before, is um, oh, I could have been, I might have been a little bit, I didn't think too much. That's... And then he gets the speed gun, he puts it in front of me and there's a number 122 in there, and he says, uh, he just recorded 122 kilometers an hour in a 100 zone, and I, I say, well, I'm guilty. I'm guilty, I've broken the law. And he says, let me just write out a ticket. He actually goes back and gets a few details and comes back and writes a ticket. It says, fine of $646, 122, okay, 22 over the limit, $646. Some of you are thinking, that's a very specific figure. Andrew, do you know about that? Or... <laughs> I, I Googled it. I Googled it. <laughs> I Googled it. It's not true. I, I didn't. I didn't get caught that time. <laughs> $646. He writes out the ticket. Now, at that moment, I've got a choice to pay that ticket or to go to the court and fight my case. I've never, never, <laughs> I've always paid it. I've never fought the case. <laughs> I get myself in trouble here. But let's just say, let's say that I went to the court to fight my case. Stand before the judge in the dock 
And he says to me, Mr. Carnell, you've been recorded as going 122 kilometres in the 100 zone. Is this true? And I say, I'm guilty, Your Honour. I'm guilty. Well, the punishment for your crime is a payment of $646. And I think to myself, I'm just standing in the docks with my head in my hands, and I'm like, I can't pay this fine. Can't pay it. I'm guilty, can't pay this fine. But then a good friend of mine, Nathan, is sitting there. Because he's a really good pastor and he journeys with people through their traumatic experiences. So he is with, he is with me. And he says, Andrew, what, what's, what's happening? What's the situation? I said, Nathan, I'm guilty. It's, it's a $646 fine. He said, you can't pay that, can you? And I'm like, no, I can't pay it. And he said, just wait there. He says... And Nathan walks away and he goes up to the courtroom. The, the clerk takes the payments in the courtroom and he says, can you just show me Andrew Carnell's account, please? And they bring it up and it says, Andrew Carnell, court speeding, 122 kilometres, guilty, punishment, $646. And he says, well, could I just pay that? And he just hands his credit card over, $646 paid. In the courtroom there, my account says something like this, Andrew Carnell, Guilty speeding. Fine, $646. Paid in full. Case closed. That's the situation. And that there is what has happened on the cross. You and I, everyone here, everyone online, everyone here, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have, been, we have sin at the core of our being. And the first two chapters of Romans say the punishment for that is death. The wages of our rebellion turning from God is death. From a holy God, that is a punishment. Jesus stepped in on the cross. The wrath of God came upon Jesus and he took that penalty. He stepped in. He was a third party that stepped in to take your sin and my sin. And Paul is saying there is a new way and it is received by grace. Received, not earned. And for all of us here today, there is absolutely no reason why any of us should leave here today or walk away not knowing whether we can be forgiven or receive. If you would just put your faith and trust in Jesus, it is a gift of grace and it is received and it depends nothing, not one iota on anything you've done or haven't done in your life. It is God's grace. That is the good news of Jesus. That is why it's great news that Jesus has done it for us and that can be appropriated in our hearts, in the depths of our heart. By faith, a gift of grace from God. That is the good news. If I take this a little bit further, that we're going in the courtroom again, and I'm there, and Nathan has paid my fine. I know, paid in full, 
case closed. I get up out of my seat and I begin to walk out of the courtroom. And the police officer goes bang and puts his hand on my shoulder and says, just hang on a second, where are you going? I say, I'm going home. So no, no, you were caught speeding, you were guilty, and there's a fine of $646 to pay. And I say, but it's been paid. He's like, no, I've watched you. You haven't moved from your chair. You haven't got your wallet out. There's no cash exchanged. If you don't pay that fine, you're going to be locked up. And I say, oh, officer, please go and check my record. He walks over to the, the clerk of the court and he says, could, I, could you just bring up Andrew Carnell's record? Says Andrew Carnell, speeding, guilty, fine, $646, paid in full. Case closed, finished. He said, what? How did that happen? I said, oh, I've got a good friend who has paid my fine. He would say, well, that's good news, that's great. You can go free. I've, I can't hold you here any longer. Justice has been served. Walk free. Freedom. Why? Because it's been paid. <laughs> paid in full. The court holds nothing against you anymore. I want to ask you a question. When, when you ask for forgiveness, do you ask for forgiveness because of God's justice? or because of God's mercy. Most of us might think mercy. God, be merciful for me and forgive me. But it is actually, look at this verse in 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So you go to forgive, to ask for forgiveness and, and you can go to your record in heaven and it says paid in full. You sin tomorrow and the next day and the next day you go to your record in heaven and it says paid in full. Paid in full. The, the danger when we think it's because of his mercy, yes, that is God is merciful in doing that, but we might think that as I continue to sin, God's reservoir of mercy might just run out. That because I continue to sin, that he won't be merciful anymore, and I'll be, he's just disappointed in me. He's, I'm, I should be better than this, and all of these thoughts. But the reality is, your resume says paid in full. Your resume says you have the righteousness of God that you are forgiven completely. And when that message gets deep inside our heart, it'll transform us. When we begin to approach God and live knowing God with this resume rather than that one, everything is different. Everything is different because we can expect God's grace. We can expect God's love. He loved us. He's dealt with that. That's done. As we come to him in prayer, it's not because... We're going to do all these things. It's just because of his grace. It's a conduit of his grace. We can approach his throne with boldness or confidence because of his grace. We're, we're living off this. We've anchored ourselves to the resume of grace. 
And I want to just conclude with the thought, like, what have you and I done in this process? Just bear with me. See if we can do this. Like, see if you, you can see yourself in this. What have you done? What have I done? Sinned? Who's, yep, we've sinned. We've admitted our guilt. We said, yeah, God, guilty as charged. We've done that. If we humble ourselves and admit and just say, God, it's true. And all we have done is put our faith in Jesus. All we have done is trusted him. And it says his righteousness come on all who believe. And there's not one person who can't receive this good gift today if you put your trust and faith in Jesus. That is what's on offer. That is the good news of Jesus. And in a moment, I'm going to pray, and there might be some people here today, for the very first time you've realized the Christian life is all about what Jesus has done and not anything about what you've done other than putting your faith in him. And in a moment, I'm going to pray with you. If, if, if for the first time you want to put your trust in Jesus, I'll give you that opportunity in a moment. But secondly, I want to speak to us as Christians because I feel that sometimes we know some of these things in our, our head, but we are functioning at a heart level with this here. And it causes us to feel unworthy, that we may be a disappointment to God in some way because of our sin. Maybe there are others of us that there's this even just one sin, one decision, something in your past that just continues to haunt you or Satan continues to bring it up and think, I'm not sure that I could ever be forgiven against this. It's always held against you. I want to say today, paid in full. Don't allow any condemnation, no condemnation in Christ Jesus, that today if there is that one thing in your life that you've just never been able to let go, maybe you don't even forgive yourself, paid in full. Let today be the day that it is just dealt with. There might even be some, that there's some sense of addiction in your life. There's things in your life that you know that you don't want there. You've been trying and trying and trying to beat it in your own strength. I want to say that if you put your faith in Jesus, you are forgiven. Even in the midst of your sin, addiction, whatever it could be, you are forgiven. You don't have to clean yourself up or get it all right. And then, then there'll be some measure of cleanliness that then you're accepted. No, it's paid in full. And, and the, the growth out of that addiction comes from knowing you are loved and accepted in God because of what Jesus has done for you. Maybe some people living at the sense that how could God ever use me when I continue to sin? Well, I, I want to tell you, God uses sinful people. That, that, that's what he does by grace. So if there's some belief that how could God ever use me with my sin, it's paid in full. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your work on the cross. Thank you that you have provided a new way. 
thank you that we can come and encounter God, know you, God, because of your grace, because of your mercy, because of the, the justice that has been paid on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. And if you're online or here today and you've never put your trust in Jesus, I mean, you, you don't know if you're right with God. You don't know when your life might end, whether you are safe and secure in Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity now. As I said earlier, in a moment, in an instant, as you put your faith and trust in Him, He gives it as a gift of grace. And if that is you, I just want just in your heart to pray this prayer with me. Lord, I recognize my sin. I'm guilty as charged. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the penalty of my sin. I receive it now as a gift of grace. I put my faith and trust in you. I will live according to your resume. Thank you that in Jesus, nothing will ever separate me from your love. And Lord, I want to pray for us as a church. I want to pray as individuals, Lord, that you would allow this truth to come deep into our heart. That we would know your love, your forgiveness, your grace in the deepest parts and live out of that, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You see, as we sing this last song, I've got some cards here. Let me just grab one quickly. It just says, paid in full. And today, if God's encouraged you in the fact that he's paid your sin in full, it's complete. I want you to come and grab one of these. It's got that verse I read earlier on there. Come and grab it as a, it's like even a a moment saying, I'm grabbing that. I'm taking that for free. That is who I am. That is how God sees me. Put it up somewhere. Put it in your wallet. But you are, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are a paid in full Christian. You are free. Free from the punishment of sin. Free from the penalty of sin. So come and grab one of these. And on the, on the mezzanine, there's some there as well, if you want some up there. And also, I just, I just want to invite you, like if, if you want this message to go deep in your heart, as I talk about the sense of maybe being a disappointment for God, maybe living under condemnation, not being free, and you just want to come to God and say, Lord, pour this into the depths of my heart. I just encourage you to come and ask for prayer. Paul prayed this for the Ephesians. He said, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Do you see that? He was even praying that they would be able to comprehend the love of God. And if that's you today, you just want to say, God, I want to know you more. I want this to go deeper. I want to live out of a different place. Then come And uh, the pastors and the prayer team would love to pray for you in this song as well. So we, we stand and worship. And as we do that, please come and respond as God leads you here this morning. between us how 
thanks. What good news to know this is truth for us this morning. This is the reality. This is what it says in Colossians. It says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. But He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Can we thank Jesus this morning for all that He has done for us? The victory is won, His grace. Lord Jesus, we thank You for these truths this morning. Thank You for allowing us Lord, to um, accept and receive this free gift of grace that comes from you. I pray your blessing on each one here this morning, wherever we are on the journey of faith, that we would allow these truths to take hold in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.